So I'm taking you back to 605 to 530 BC. And today you will walk into the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A story that's very familiar to many of this. A story that many of you may have heard in Sunday school. But it's not a myth. It's the truth of God's word spoken through a story given to you in the book of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine if you had to take a test and you had to put that in those little blanks? Nebuchadnezzar was your name. You could never, you could never get on that standardized test, right? King Nebuchadnezzar, big man on campus, really powerful ruler. And picture this, you're almost at, I, I, I would make this akin to an opening ceremony, something huge, a big, big crowd. And there he is, the king, and he's saying, worship this piece of gold, this image of gold that's 90 feet high. And unlike here, when Richie starts with the worship team and you stand to your feet and you go right up to heaven and you worship God, he's not saying that. He's not saying worship God. He's saying worship that golden image. And do you know what's happening? All the crowd is worshiping that golden image. Because what has he told them? When the music starts, when the worship team starts playing, don't get up and raise your hands up to Jesus. Raise your hands up to our God. Worship that idol. And everybody makes a decision to worship that idol because the alternative is to burn. Could you imagine coming into this church and Richie puts up a golden idol and says, we're going to start the worship music. And by the way, you got to worship that idol. And if you don't, there's a furnace out in the parking lot and you're going into it. Can you imagine that? That's what these people are faced with. So they're worshiping this golden idol except for what I would call the three superheroes, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They're not having any of this. And people report this back to the king. And he's not happy. And here's what they say to good old Nebuchadnezzar. And if you have your Bibles, this is Daniel 3. We're in verse 16. Imagine putting yourself in the shoes of Meshach or Shadrach or Abednego. Would you say these things to this king based on your faith? Here's what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They say that because they don't stand alone. They have a defender. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. 
But even if he does not, we want you to know your we want you to know we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Uh-oh. So how do you think the king reacts to that? Like, oh, hey, hey, yeah, guys, hey, good for you. All these other people are doing this, but hey, you're good. You do your own thing. I'm going to do my thing with the other people. No, the next verse, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, into Bendigo, and his attitude toward them changed. Oh, it changed. Why? Because these guys have stood up in front of this king who is all-powerful, and they basically told them in common, told him in common terms, king, you can take that golden image and... <laughs> and he didn't like that at all. But that's what they're saying to him, right? We don't worship gold. We worship our God. That's how they put it, and very directly to him, right? King, you really don't have any authority over us? We're not going to worship that idol because we worship our God. And then what happens? Yeah, amen. Amen. And then what happens? He's so furious, he tells his soldiers, that furnace is hot, but make it seven times hotter. I don't know about you, but I really don't like to get burned. Like I pick up a piece of toast and it falls out of my hand and I'm like, ah! My wife's like, could you just put the toast on the plate? I do not like it. I don't, when I'm cooking outside, the other night, it was 400 degrees. It's got the little temperature gauge. And I'm just like flipping those burgers and, and backing off. This is the heat of a huge furnace. Seven times hotter than usual. They are bound by soldiers. So they're tied up. And they're thrown in the furnace, right? I'm sure the crowd's like, bye-bye. Should have worshipped the idol. Not good. And then they notice the seven, the three soldiers, excuse me, who have thrown him into the fire. It's so hot near the furnace, they burn to death. That's how hot this is. Doesn't look good for our three superheroes, our three friends. Doesn't look good at all. Wow. What faith. But now you're toast. You're done. Let's face it, most of us would be thinking that when these three men went into the furnace. So what happens? Here's what happens. Verse 23. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. Wow. These guys are in the furnace just walking around. Just, hey, cool furnace you got, king. We're just going to walk around in this furnace. Here's the one thing you should take away from today. And you can take it right from the mouth 
of King Nebuchadnezzar. Because this is the verse that really counts. Here's what he says. And the fourth looks like a son of God. Wow. Can I ask you a question? Who's the son of God? Jesus is in there with the three. He's walking around with the three. And you may ask yourself, why is Jesus in the fire? And I'll tell you why. Jesus is more than comfortable in the fire. Why? Because when Jesus came to this earth and walked, he walked in the fire of rejection. He walked in the fire of suffering. He walked in the fire of pain. And he walked through the fire of death. Even a death onto the cross for you, for you, for you, for you, for each and every one of us. Jesus knows our suffering. And when you're suffering, when you're in a fire, guess who's walking with you? Jesus. He's right beside you. We've all had different fires in our life. We've all had different trials in our life. If you can raise your hand now and say, I've never had a trial. Nope. Never suffered at all. No rejection for me. I doubt I'll scan the room, but no, there's no hands up. We've all had it, right? You heard from me last year. I had a fire in my life. I had no idea it was coming. I was so just sure of myself, really, that as I walked into an appointment, I didn't even bring my wife with me. I thought, these tests, these, I've had the tests. Everything's looking good. They say physically, you're fine. We've done all the physical tests. Everything looks good. And as I told you before when I was up here many months ago, I think uh, almost uh, two years ago, November, or somewhere around, around that time, the doctor sits me down, and the first thing he says is, is your wife here? I'm like, Why is he asking me if my wife is here? Y your wife's not here? Kelly's not here? No, Kelly's not here. Why would Kelly be here? And he talks to me a little, and then he says, uh, I'm just going to tell you, you've got cancer. And it's a really aggressive type of cancer. This is not good. We're going to do a bone scan, a CAT scan. And off I went. You've all heard the story. I won't bore you with it. But I remember getting into the car, holding the steering wheel, all alone, I just, at that point, prayed, why am I not smart enough to bring Kelly with me to this appointment? But I wasn't going to get an answer to that. I just prayed at that moment. And I will tell you, from that day, October 29th, 2019, right to this day, through this trial they call cancer, Jesus has walked with me every step of the way. Every step of the way. When I was suffering, he was right there. My faith skyrocketed during this journey. I want you to leave here today knowing that Jesus not only will walk with you through that fire, 
Jesus will deliver you from the fire. You will be healed. You'll be healed here on earth. Or hey, he may deliver you and you may be healed in heaven. And there's no better healing, people. There really isn't. Death, where is your sting? It's gone, right? You're in the house of the Lord forever at that point. So that brings me to my dear friend, Daniel. I call him Dan. I was in the Catholic Church on Friday. St. John's, a beautiful, beautiful church. And I will tell you something about this. There's different denominations. But when you sit there in this beautiful Catholic church and you hear the gospel of Christ spoken again and again and again, I say, who cares about the denomination? I only care about the gospel. So words were spoken over my friend that were full of Jesus. He's a very close friend, a colleague, a lawyer in this state since 1979. The perfect picture of integrity, humility, and civility. I golfed with him I don't, hundreds of times, I'm sure. I went to baseball games, softball games, basketball games. Our children grew up in Concord together. And then about two and a half years ago, I was up golfing and I was just walking around and we we're all standing around and he pulled me aside and in his own way, very unassuming, he basically told me he had colon cancer. And when he told me that, he didn't seek comfort. He wanted to comfort me. He says, don't worry, my friend. I'm going to walk through this. I've, I've got my doctor and Dr. Catcher. He's fantastic, great oncologist. Uh, almost as good a golfer as he is an oncologist. But he felt very comfortable, and he wanted to comfort me in this time. And here's what his obituary said about him. I hope mine says this. He had an unwavering faith. I witnessed, I'll call him my Daniel, the Daniel of these times, on September 23rd of this year, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I got to visit him. I knew things were not right because he wasn't up at the golf course anymore. He wasn't at work. Loved his family, had talked to his family members, and uh, I'll be forever grateful that his wife, Michelle, allowed me and my dear friend in Christ, Brett, to spend an hour with him. Now, I will tell you this, and I'll tell you this very honestly. That cancer had ravaged his body. And I said this at the eulogy, but it didn't touch his spirit. Yeah. It didn't even come close to touching the soul of this man. I saw that spirit, and the first thing I thought about was these verses in Galatians 5.22. Here's what I experienced for an hour with a man who was walking his journey to heaven. 
Galatians 5.22. Dan had the fruit of the Spirit. Here's how I would describe him on September 23rd with these words. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That was what I saw in him. On October 1, he went to be with the Lord. Right to heaven for this Daniel. Why? Because all this walking through this, all the two and a half years boiled down to the last few weeks of his life. Guess who he's walking with? Jesus. Guess where he's being delivered to? Heaven. Wow. What a beautiful, beautiful day for him. He was delivered much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was delivered from the fire of cancer. Straight into the arms of Jesus Christ. I don't think I could be more happy for Dan right now. Oh, I mourn his loss. Uh, the other day, well, was, not the other day, it was yesterday. I'm golfing. I'm walking up the 13th fairway. Someone's walking down the 14th fairway who was at the Catholic Church and heard my eulogy, and he came running at me. And I'm thinking, why is Don running at me like this? This is strange. And he just walked up to me crying and just hugged me. And we celebrated Dan right there. He's crying, I'm crying, and then we're off to do what Dan loved to do. That's the way you look at a fire and a trial. He's with me. So if Jesus is with you, no matter what your pain, no matter what you're suffering, even if it's on to death, here's what you look like. You got love in your heart. You're looking like Dan. You got joy. We laughed and laughed that day, September 23rd. We cried, the four of us. We looked at his wedding picture. And they, so young back in 1986, I'm dating myself because I'm basically the same age. So young, she just beautiful. He, with his thick hair, had it right to the, the day he went to Jesus. And it was just wonderful. I'm looking at that picture. And then I say, Michelle looks like she's about 13 years old. Isn't, isn't that a problem, Dan? And his, his eyes are lighting up. And, and in her defense, and I said this at the eulogy, she jumped out of that bed, looked at me, and said, I was 14. <laughs> it was just a wonderful time. I, my favorite words I said to my friend who had, was about to be delivered from his trial when I walked out. I said, peace and love. Because that's all he gave me. I'll never, ever forget that day. Some would call September 23rd 
in the circumstance I was in with Daniel, a really sad, tragic day. I would call it a glorious day. And I would call October 1, the day he went to be with his Savior, the most glorious day of Dan's life. So as you approach these trials that will come at you, keep these other words of Jesus in mind. Here's what he says in 1 Peter 1.6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then in James, it says this. I love this verse. Think about this. Meditate on this. Let this go to your very soul. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Wow. I have to tell you, when that doctor said, hey, you got cancer, and then he goes through all the specifics of it and says, see this right here? That's a number nine. That's the worst kind you can have. I wasn't going, yeah, I am really joyous right now. But Jesus gives us a little while and says, be like Dan. Face this suffering with joy. Why? Because guess what? Other people are watching. They're going to see your joy and they're going to say, where does that come from? Well, I was able to stand up this Friday and say to a lot of people, some who believed, I'm sure, maybe many who believed, hopefully, some who had no faith at all, that there was joy, there was peace, there was love, there was kindness, there was gentleness in this man because he loved Christ, because he had an unwavering faith in Christ. That's where we need to rest. Rest in the Spirit of Christ. May the Spirit of Christ rest on each and every one of you. May love and peace walk with you. Take this story. Many people think it's just a children's story. It's much more than that. Take this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and live it. When you're confronted with someone who says, worship that golden idol, and there are many idols out there for you, stand up and say, no, I worship my God. I worship Jesus Christ. I'm not worshiping that idol. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today, and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, and this becomes part of your regular routine. 
to do church live on your computer or on your device, we want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.